The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and a desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to your coaching, so there's always somebody available to answer your questions and to help you adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, the ITL Coaching and Performance website is itlcoaching.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The agents at Blue Pineapple Travel love to help people plan their travel. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Whether you're looking for relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the United States or outside the United States, they are there to match you to the trip for you. Blue Pineapple Travel will help you curate all the travel information out there to create the exact vacation that you want. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by SlayerX, www.slayerx.com. SlayerX is a sports nutrition company that makes products for athletes, team sports, and anyone that trains or works outdoors. SlayerX was founded by an endurance athlete and University of Georgia food scientist who was unhappy with the choices he was offered on course in long course triathlons. He started making his own mixes and now you can enjoy those same mixes. SlayerX offers differing levels of electrolytes in their hydration products and you can get them with or without calories. You can either take their online test at SlayerX.com or you can be tested in their laboratory to determine the exact amount of liquid and electrolytes that you need to be consuming while racing. In addition to hydration products, SlayerX offers fueling products like their product Diesel, which is available with or without the optimum level of caffeine that is scientifically proven to legal enhance performance while limiting GI upset and diuretic impact. If you're looking for alternative gel, try SlayerX's new Spark Plug, a Pop Rocks-like powder that combines the same electrolytes that are in their other products, encapsulated caffeine, and quickly absorbed carbohydrates. It comes in a plastic tube so it can be carried while running and it will work to enhance and fuel your alertness, general happiness, and performance. Remember, tell them that the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast sent you by using the coupon code PLEASANT2019 at checkout on the website and you'll get 10% off anything that you purchase there. That's SlayerX.com, PLEASANT2019. Test, don't guess with SlayerX. Thanks to all of our sponsors for helping us to bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. This is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks for tuning in with us once again. We have for you this week an interview with Chuck Sims. Um, Chuck is an athlete here in Atlanta and a coach here in Atlanta, and we've actually heard from Chuck before. Uh, Chuck was part of the Slayer X team that did the sodium electrolyte and, and hydration testing uh, that, that Patrick and I underwent last year. Um, and then he came on afterwards during the debrief to talk to us a little bit about some of the, the things that Slayer X had to offer. Uh, Chuck has a different venture, though, and that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. Chuck recently opened a studio where athletes can go and train at altitude. Now, 
Everybody has heard for years and years and years about how altitude is beneficial for endurance athletes, that people who grow up around altitude or who live in Boulder, Colorado, a mile high or something like that, are going to be at an advantage simply by living in and training in thinner air. Um, well, for those of us at sea level, or for those of us who are about a thousand feet above sea level, which is what Atlanta, Georgia is, that's always been a little bit disconcerting because it feels as if we're just giving away extra time to all of our competitors who happen to live in the mountains. Uh, well, what Chuck has done in the Atlanta area is created a space where those of us who do not live at altitude can actually go and train in conditions that simulate altitude. Uh, recently, just a few months ago, I went into his studio called Elemental Altitude, and inside that studio, they thin the air. They basically take some of the oxygen concentration out of the air inside the room in order to create the sort of situation that you would have if you were in fact training in a high altitude environment. Now you're going to hear him talk a little bit more about that. You're going to hear him talk about the percentages and all that sort of thing. Um, but he could simulate all the way up to like 20,000 feet or something like that. And this is good not just for endurance athletes, but also people who have been mountain climbing and getting ready to, to go on big expeditions to Kilimanjaro or even up Mount Everest or something like that. Uh, they've been coming in and training in those sorts of conditions in order to better acclimate themselves to the altitude that they're going to face too. Now, before we get to the interview with Chuck, I do want to mention, probably this will be the last time I mention it, uh, about our 2020 race reports. You'll recall that last year we had several race report podcasts in which I hooked up with a listener and talked to them before they actually did their race and then talked to them after they did a target race. We had people that did triathlons, 5Ks, marathons, and multiple marathons at one time, all sorts of interesting things. Um, and they told us a little bit about their anxieties and their expectations beforehand, and then they circled back around with us afterwards and told us how it went. We're still reaching out for people to do those for 2020. We've got about five volunteers. I'd like to get just a couple more here to talk about your big target races in 2020, how you're preparing for them, and then, of course, circling back around with us afterwards to talk about how they went. Our sponsor, SlayerX, has stepped up and said that they're willing to give $100 worth of SlayerX nutritional products to anyone who volunteers for this. And so uh, if that's something you're interested in, by all means, reach out to us, talk to us about your your target races, and we will broadcast that on air and you'll get $100 worth of Slayer X stuff for that. Thanks to Slayer X for offering that for all of our listeners. Um, and I encourage you to take advantage of that offer. Drop me a line, george at itlcoaching.com or pleasantpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see about getting that set up. Without further ado, let's get to our interview with Chuck Sims, the owner and operator of Elemental Altitude. Chuck Sims, welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you know, we've had you on here before talking about other things, but we've never really talked all that much about you, Chuck, and where you came from and your time as an athlete and a coach and that sort of thing. So why don't we start there? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your own background, Chuck? I primarily came from a, you know, a lot of sports growing up, uh, baseball, football, uh, I was more or less, I was more into special teams. I was a punter actually. And I punted in college <laughs> right for about three, for uh, three years. And, uh, and then I got into running and, and after college, uh, you know, kind of bounced around and did some things, but I got into triathlon, I'd say about the late nineties, I think it was 1990s mm-hmm. before, uh, before, uh, carbon fiber bikes and all that, all that fancy stuff. <laughs> and, uh, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, competing in uh, training and, and racing in triathlons, you know, ever since then. I started in Texas, and then I, I moved out here 
uh, to Georgia about 2002. Took a little bit of a break there uh, due to some career stuff and then uh, got back in again mm -hmm. um, around uh, 2010, 2011. Mm -hmm. So, and then, so. Very good, very good. And when did you start throwing yourself into the coaching aspect of it? And I mean, today you're you're the owner of Endurance or Elemental Altitude, and that's of course the reason why we want to talk to you. But when did you kind of make that shift and and sort of go all in? Um, I think it was around 2012 or 2013 mm -hmm. is when I got into coaching. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, uh, went to you know got my certification level one, and then um, about four years ago I, I got the uh, level two certification as well in uh, Colorado Springs. So I've been I've been coaching for almost eight years now. Right so, um, I got, you know, um, with the background, you know, with the racing and training and everything and, and, uh, just wanted to, uh, you know, kind of parlay that into the next, you know, next step and, and actually work as a coach as well with, with athletes. So right on. that's kind of how I got into it. Right on. Very good. And so your new business now is called Elemental Altitude, um, and I'm going to get you to tell us more about it in just a second, but, but the, the one-sentence summary is that it's a place, uh, it's a room almost, where, where you have treadmills and you have bike trainers, and athlete, altitude, at, athletes can go in there and they can train <laughs> at simulated altitude. There's a lot of words there for some reason difficult for me to say all of a sudden here. Um, you would think I'm at altitude, yeah. Chuck. Um, but... Um, <laughs> but, but how did you see this as an opportunity or, or what, it, what is it that made you say, okay, this is something that I think that the Atlanta endurance scene needs. They need a space where they can train at altitude. So the, the business idea actually started as something different. Um, a couple of years back, uh, you know, I had an idea for a, a business that was uh, more based around athletic recovery. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, you know, I, Matt Cole approached me about, you know, the owner of uh, all three sports and podium and uh, approached me about possibly uh, putting that inside his store at all three sports. So I had the, I had the real estate space available. You know, he was, he was, he was uh, generous enough to do that. And, and so, um, but what happened was uh, it was a conversation that I was having up there at the store one day with Matt. I think he had just gotten back from uh, the interbike conference and he was telling me about, um, he had seen uh, altitude tents that were big enough to fit across entire rooms. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, and I'd heard of, you know, I knew about the tents that you sleep in on, you know, over your bed and stuff like that. But right. uh, when he was talking about something this, this, this size. And so um, it just kind of light bulb kind of came on. And, and, and then um, uh, shortly after that, uh, myself and uh, I have two other business partners, uh, Susie and Patrick Lane. Uh, we were all going out to, uh, Texas to do the uh, hotter than hell 100 bike ride. Mm -hmm. And, um, we had 13 hours to kill. And so, uh, we were talking and, uh, Susie got on the, on her, on her phone and started Googling. And, uh, we came across, um, the company Hypoxico out of uh, Colorado. And we started doing some research in there. And then the more we talked about it, we was like, well, you know, I don't think anybody's doing this you know, in the U S you know, at the time we didn't, we didn't think there was, cause we didn't really find anybody, uh, you know, in our, in our initial searches and stuff, you know, later on we found there was a, there was another facility out West, but, um, it would just wasn't very prevalent. And, you know, the more I thought about it and, and the more I researched it and looked into it, I thought, you know, this is something that, um, certain people have access to because they, they live in those areas, mm -hmm. 
but um, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, and you take into consideration the fact that a lot of triathletes live in Boulder, Colorado. There's a reason for that, you know, because mm-hmm. they get the benefit of the of the altitude, and um, and then they race at sea level. You know, why not give you know athletes that live closer to sea level the same opportunity? Mm-hmm. And uh, the the science and and the uh, and the uh, technology that that, that Hypoxico has uh, developed. Um, pro- provide that to to athletes that who who wouldn't otherwise have access to those places, and so, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it started. Um, you know, there there are there are already facilities in other areas. There's there's a there's a large facility in London, England. Um, there's some places in the UK, uh, in the in Australia and New Zealand. So, um, and I came across one one look one uh, facility in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, called Evolution, and I started following them started uh kind of seeing what they were doing and um you know i reached out to hypoxico and i made a contact there with uh, dylan bowman who's a who's a pretty well-known uh, ultra runner mm-hmm. in the uh, under ultra runner scene and uh we were able to you know uh, with the help of my business partner Susie and patrick we we uh, were able to uh build out this facility and uh here we are today so right and about three months before yeah, three months before we opened Another facility up in Chicago opened up as well. So, okay. uh, aside from uh, that facility and in Portland, uh, and then of course the U.S. Olympic Training Center in Colorado, Colorado Springs, um, uh, the only other places uh, you know, Hypoxico builds uh, rooms for uh, professional sports teams and and even people who have the the means to be able to put them in their own homes and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so it's. It's not widespread yet, but uh, I think it's starting to grow. So. Right on, right on. So, so I alluded to what the facility is. Um, I'm sure you can describe it a whole lot better. So, so tell us. I mean, you said, mentioned it's in the back of all three sports. Um, to tell us kind yeah. of what it looks like. Sort of set the scene for us. Okay, so uh, if you're familiar with all three sports, uh, if you live here in the area, um, it you know Matt used to have his, his fit studio back there. So it's in the back of the. The building there that it's about 325 square foot mm-hmm. um it's we have uh, two treadmills and we have five uh, wahoo kicker trainers in there mm-hmm. we have a large tv and we have a couple other tvs on the wall there so um but we um we do, we normally run uh you know cycling classes um or you know i can i work with uh, runners you know one-on-one or if people just want to come in and use the treadmills they can do that as well um, and then we also work with a lot of um, hikers who are who are um, training to to go you know high altitude summits and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why we only have five uh, trainers in there is because uh, the size of my system can accommodate a certain number of people mm-hmm. when they're training at high intensity. So when you train at high intensity, and we'll talk about the science in a little bit, but mm-hmm. just in general speaking, um, whenever you um, suck in air and you breathe out co2 the co2 levels will increase in the room and so uh it would it would become you know uh un, you know it'd be more unstable to have more than more than five people in there especially when we're doing some of the harder workouts mm-hmm. um if people were doing some easier uh workouts that weren't you know more more aerobic in in uh, in, in effort and intensity then we could have a few more people in there mm-hmm. uh, it would be fine but um for the for the cycling sessions we have to keep it to five at max so gotcha gotcha do you ever combine yeah. the people do you ever combine some runners and some cyclists at the same time 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, during the week I have a lot of uh, clients who, uh, you know, will come in and we'll have some that are doing the cycling session. And then at the same time, we'll have some runners, uh, doing some workouts. And then sometimes, you know, by the time the the runners finish, you know, the cyclists, if if they're triathletes, they might want to jump on the treadmill and do a little short run off the bike and things like that. So yeah, we, we combine them all the time. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so you have the Mm -hmm. trainers, you have the treadmills, you have the TVs. It looks so, so you were, you were, generous enough to invite me to actually come to a workout there uh, last month. Mm-hmm. And so so in December, I actually came and did a workout there. And when you walk in, it kind of looks like just a regular old fitness studio, right? I mean, it's, you know, like you said, it's 300 square feet. You got the trainers there. You got the treadmills there. You got the big TVs on the wall. You were using the trainer road software. Um, and so, so for groups. And so, so you kind of had that mm-hmm. going on. Um, but then, of course, you had the altitude set on the wall. <laughs> so, so, yeah. um, and you've mentioned the hypoxico technology a little bit, but tell us about, about the, the way that you can kind of set the altitude and stuff like that, like how that works. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what happens, uh, the, the basic layout is uh, the, the entire room itself is sealed off completely. There, there's no, uh, we, we went to great lengths to make sure we, we sealed every crack mm-hmm. in the floor and the ceiling under the lights. Um, in the doors, everything. So it's, it's airtight, mm-hmm. uh, as, as best as we can get it. I mean, um, and so, uh, the, the compressor is outside the room. There's a, there's a mechanical room in it and it, and it draws in air from the outside and it filters that air. There's three filters that it goes through to clean it. And then after it goes there, it goes into a altitude machine that's in that room as well. Um, and if you remember when you're in the room on the wall, there's mm-hmm. a, device that kind of looks like a muffler I do remember kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah and it's right below the air conditioner that yeah the, the mini split that's on the wall there um that that is actually the uh device that the altitude machine is uh, the the blue box that's in there what i do is i set a percentage of oxygen that i want the room to have mm-hmm. so for example ten thousand feet or ten thousand feet elevation or at altitude would be uh, 14.3% oxygen. Okay. So if I type, you know, I put in 14.3% oxygen on the blue box, the, uh, machine that's in the mechanical room will allow that percentage of oxygen to flow into the room. Okay. And it takes about, um, an hour or so. We usually kick off the compressor at least about an hour and a half before we do, do any kind of class to get it up to altitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we have the, uh, AC in there because the AC actually works does two jobs one it keeps the room cool but also it it helps move that percentage of oxygen around the room Mm. so that you know i can go across to the other side of the room and i can check the altitude from there with a i have a handheld device Mm -hmm. and it it will be the same it'll be the same over there on the far side of the room as it is over by the um the treadmills where the where the machine is working so so you don't lose elevation by walking across the room (laughs) <laughs> no no <laughs> right no. On, right you can on. you can lose some elevation if you open the doors and leave them open too long but um just just going in and out of the doors doesn't really affect it that much because uh you know people ask that question sometimes but mm-hmm. as long as you don't go out and leave the door open for a long period of time then it doesn't really affect it so mm. I, f- I feel obliged to mention too having done a workout in there like the way you're describing it and sealing it up and making it airtight and everything it's not stuffy mm. Um, and, and so, so the, the way that, that it sounds is kind of like you have this really sort of sterile static environment, but I think like you're saying that mm-hmm. the air is pumped in and it's cleaned and it's filtered 
that um, the, 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 the air flows and moves around the room in a way that, um, that, that, that you wouldn't know necessarily. Um, so when I stepped into the room, I, I didn't necessarily step in the room and go, oh, my gosh, wow, I'm at altitude, or oh, it's so stuffy in here. It didn't feel that way at all. It felt like stepping into any other room, really. Um, Correct. Do, do, you, yeah. do you feel that way, too, or is that what other people say? Um, normally, when I go in there, I kind of have it, it smells different. Okay. Uh, and I think that's because the purified air that mm-hmm. it's coming in, you know, I, I notice a different smell than the outside of the mm-hmm. room. But, um, most people I bring in there, if they just want to come in there and, and stand in there and feel it, they don't really notice much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after I usually try to keep them in there about five minutes or so. And then after about five minutes, they'll start to say, you know, now I'm starting to feel it, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, yeah. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so it's, you know, they're not really exercising, but they're just, they just walk in there. If they stand in there for a little bit, they'll, they'll actually start to feel the difference. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you mentioned that 14.3% is 10,000 feet, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Atlanta is about a thousand feet. Isn't that right? Where it's located, it's probably about a thousand feet. 1,050? Yeah. Which is 1,050 feet. Yeah. And that's, and so what is a thousand fifty in percentage? What what would that be? Uh, Let's see. Sea level is 20.9. Okay. Okay. And so, so and a, and a thousand is like a nineteen point. Uh, so I'd say it's it's probably twenty point one or two somewhere in there. Okay. Very good. Uh, very Atlanta good. is. Yeah. And so uh-huh. you say sea level is twenty point nine. That's a good reference point there. So sea level is yeah. twenty point yeah. nine. Um, ten thousand feet is fourteen point three. <clears throat> Where do you? And this is kind of I guess segue into to how how you use it. Um, but but where do you normally set it for people who are who are coming in and doing workouts? So um, what I've found, and this is based on uh, just my, you know, utilization of it and working with athletes that I've worked with, plus I've also talked to and looked at the other facilities out there doing similar type of training that I'm doing. Um, the sweet spot for, you know, cycling and running and, 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 and things like that is uh, going to be anywhere between nine and 10,000 feet. I don't usually go, I don't go above 10,000 feet. Uh, the higher you go up, the, the less energy you're going to have to do these workouts. And, and, and again, we'll talk about that in a minute, but, um, so it's, it's important to still be able to do the workout. And I find that, you know, 10, 10 or nine, nine to 10 is probably a good, a good, a good place right in there. And that's where I usually keep mine. Most of my work, most of my sessions are at 10,000 feet for, for people. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. On the on the Saturday sessions, uh, which we do longer, uh, we do about ninety minutes on Saturday. I have started to drop those down to about eight. Hmm. You're still gonna you're still gonna get the same benefit from altitude, you know, above five thousand. But uh, I find you know since we're in there a little bit longer, I'll I'll, I'll back it down to about eight thousand feet for those for those uh, days. Gotcha. So, and then um, for for hikers. So um, they're a little bit different because um, they're going to realize a much higher altitude on their on their climbs. Sure. Like for Kilimanjaro goes up to over 19, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and you know, so um, what I'll do with them is I will usually start them at a lower altitude, maybe around 11. But when they start their their session at the top of the hour, once they get started, I will go over and change the altitude to 13. And while they're in there for the hour, I'll let it climb gradually while they're in there, and um, that way they can kind of get the uh, get the feeling of going up slowly because they're you know if they're using on the treadmill they're walking and and um, 
so they can actually raise it up. And then as they get stronger over the weeks, you know, we may start it at 13 and go up to 15. You know, so, um, yeah. Well, that makes sense, too, because they're not going to be, you know, if, if, you're try, if you're trying to simulate the conditions they're going to be facing on the mountain, they're not going to be dropped in at, at, at 15,000 feet. They're going to you know, be climbing from 10,000 feet to 15,000 feet, and that's going to take a little while. So Correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very yeah. good. Do you have to adjust where you start people depending on whether they've done it before? I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I have kind of a mixed relationship with altitude. My wife is very mm-hmm. altitude sensitive. Like when when she goes to altitude, it really really kind of messes her up. Have, have you found that people are have different sensitivities to altitudes, and that you have to adjust it based on what the, what they need? So far, um, I have not come across anyone that's had hmm. any real issue with um, with the altitude. Mm-hmm. You know, going starting at nine or ten. Hmm. Uh, they you know obviously there's going to be some, some, uh, some things that happen when you're in there. Number one, you're not going to have the same uh, power that you normally push at, at sea level, uh, or you're not going to be able to maintain the same speeds or efforts and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's definitely going to be a difficulty there, but, um, I normally, I'm always monitoring their, how they're doing, how they're feeling, you know, and if I, if I, you know, I usually ask them, are you feeling okay? We measure their, their, uh, SPO two numbers while they're in there. Um, and, uh, you know, I see different ranges of numbers on those as well, but, uh, so far nobody's had any issue with, um, with the altitude. I haven't anybody get sick or, um, you know, pass out or anything like that. So, <laughs> um, that's good. That's good. I've had people, yeah, I've had people complain about how hard it is sometimes, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard the first few times you come, it's, it's, it's intended to be, but, uh, over time you'll adapt to it. And that's, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the whole point of it. So, but, uh, we're all, um, Everybody that works in there is CPR trained, um, and uh, we have a we have an AED in there in case anything happens. And but we've you know again it's it's um, we we haven't had any issues at all. So um, we're we're very we're very on top of, of monitoring everyone's progress while they're in there. So right on, right on. And so so you yeah. mentioned you mentioned that people get more accustomed to it as they go along, and th- and that's segues into the next thing we want to talk <clears> about. So. What what is the best way to utilize this sort of space? Because you know, going, I went and did one workout, and it was a good workout. But but I'm sure that I wasn't you know getting the maximum benefit of elemental altitude by just going once. And so, what is the what does the research suggest, and what have you found about about the how often you need to use it in order to get maximum benefits? So the cool thing about the um, the protocol we use, which is you know, uh, live low, train high, um, is that you can, you can, uh, you can time it and you can use actual timing and dosage of it specific to your event that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I find that with athletes that are, you know, wanting to use it to get benefit, you know, get uh, performance enhancements or, or improvements. Um, I usually try to find out, okay, what, what event do you have coming up? If it's an Ironman or half Ironman, how many weeks out is it? Um, the more weeks I have, the better, the more, you know, we can, we can gain, but, um, you know, so, so for example, uh, six to eight weeks out from a, from a race, uh, would be a good, good starting point. Uh, even 12 weeks sometimes if I, if I have 12 weeks and they want to do that. Um, so I would say a minimum is six weeks, twice a week to get something out of it. Um, if you only have four weeks, you can go three times a week and get something from it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, six, eight weeks two times a week 
leading into your um, your event, uh, we can we can definitely see some significant uh, improvements as long as you're doing everything you're, you need to be doing outside, you know, at sea level. Mm-hmm. If you're doing those things too, mm-hmm. and, and combine with this, um, one thing I, I want to stress, and, and I want to say this since I'm on the podcast as well is um, if we're if we're looking at a a pyramid of of fitness. Uh, altitude is not the foundation mm-hmm. of that fitness. <laughs> you know, uh, your, your, your aerobic base is always going to be your foundation. Mm-hmm. So as long as you have all those other things in place and you're doing those things the way you should be, altitude is just another component that you can add to your training mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, take it to the next level. Um, it's not intended to replace anything that you, that you necessarily do you know, you know, like your long rides, if you're doing Ironmans and things like that, you still want to do all those things outside, mm-hmm. but this is just another component that you can add. So, you know, I would never, um, recommend someone who's, who's coming off the couch, who's going to go, you know, now start training to come into the altitude room because they need to do other things first mm-hmm. before they come in there. So, but, um, but yeah, we, we like to, we like to find out what you got coming up, you know, so that we can, you know, I've had athletes call me and say, Hey, uh, I like to come do some training for this event. And I say, when's the event? And they say two weeks. And I said, it's not worth it. You're not going to get anything from it. Right. You know, so don't, don't waste your money because mm-hmm. you're, you know, you need more time. Mm-hmm. So. Very good. Very good. So yeah. six weeks out being the minimum, that means effectively you're talking about like 10 to 12 sessions is what it takes to really. 10 to 12 of... sessions. Okay. Yeah. Um, and more, yeah. M- more is better. Um, so, so, um, you mentioned that you tend to do hard sessions in there. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, because we're, we're, we're flipping the protocol. Um, mm-hmm. and if you want to talk about that a little bit, we can as well. I know, you, you know, uh, it kind of ties yeah. in with this time. Yeah. yeah. But, um, since we're flipping the protocol and we're doing uh, live low train high, um, the studies that are, are out there that have been done on, um, control groups that have done this type of training, the, the maximum benefit that they have seen is from doing high intensity intervals mm-hmm. at uh, hypoxic or hypoxia. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we kind of follow that same protocol where um, the sessions are only about, um, you know, anywhere from 35 to 40 minutes in length. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually short, short, hard intervals with rest in between. Uh, like for, you know, for a bike session, we might do, um, three sets of, uh, five by 10 seconds max sprint with 20 seconds rest mm-hmm. and put like three minutes in between those sets. Uh, you know, we're going to look at maybe 33, 36 minutes total, mm-hmm. but, um, because you're adding 10,000 feet to that workout, mm-hmm. you're increasing the load on that workout already. So with the increased load of the out, adding the altitude to it, the same workout, if you did the same workout at sea level, it's a great workout, but you add 10,000 feet to it, it becomes a better workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we do we do a lot of that. And running, you know, same thing on treadmill, we'll do, you know, um, sprints, 30 second on, 30 second off, uh, things like that. Um, and then we'll also do some, you know, maybe lactate threshold level uh, training as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the interval is a little bit longer, but we're still, we're still pushing uh, a pretty hard effort, but not maxed out efforts and stuff like that. So the, uh, the studies that are out there show the biggest gains from, from doing, um, doing, uh, uh sessions at those, at those, uh, intensity levels. 
and that's why we kind of do that. And the other the other facilities that I follow and and that do similar uh, workouts as I do do the same protocols. So, gotcha. Very good. Well, so so mm-hmm. you 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 referred to this a couple of times, and I had mentioned to you when I first reached out to you about coming onto the podcast. I was going to ask you about this, but so much of the stuff I've heard about altitude is about live high, train low. Um, and the mm-hmm. idea there being, of course, that, that if you can, if it's possible, um, you know, you live at altitude, but then you go to sea level to train so that you can actually, you know, get the intensity levels that you, you can get only at sea level. And so, so you live mm-hmm. at 5,000 feet or 6,000 feet or something like that. And then you would come down to sea level in order to, to, to do a hard workout. Um, you know, there's some, some training groups like in Albuquerque, I know that do that. Um, the, the Hoka Northern Arizona elite do that. For example, if they have a really hard workout, they'll come down to, to altitude to do it or down to, to sea level to do it. Um, and then like, I even know Ryan, I was talking to somebody recently that, that knew Ryan Hall in college and Ryan Hall used to have uh, an altitude tent in his dorm room at Stanford mm-hmm. um, and he used to sleep yeah. in it. Right. Um, and he did right. all his, his workouts in Palo Alto at basically at sea level, but then he would, he would sleep at night in an altitude tent. And so, as you said, right. this, this kind of flips that on its head. This is for people who are living, um, living, um, low and, and training high. Um, can you talk a right. little bit about about how or, or I, I I'm not I'm struggling without a word the question but how is how this is so different this is the opposite of what I've always heard so so can you talk a little right. about that sure so um, what you're referring to believe it or not that's that's one of the biggest sources of confusion mm-hmm. with altitude training is that live live high train low because that study was actually done back in, ni- in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. And what, what it was, was there was a study that was done on runners that lived in, they, they spent, they, they lived in uh, Park City, Utah, mm-hmm. and then they trained in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they found between the two c- control groups is that the ones that lived up in Park City and then came down to train in, in Salt Lake City, their, their blood markers indicated higher, higher, um, better improvements. Mm-hmm. So immediately what happened is, um, uh, the the the, uh, the tents started getting manufactured and built for people to sleep in these things, mm-hmm. and you know, a company even Hypoxico will tell you uh, if you read their materials that they send, they they weren't against it because they they sold a lot of those tents. Yeah, but um, <laughs> they also said that you, you have to keep in mind that 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 uh, that uh, research was uh, that's twenty years old, mm-hmm. you know that, that research, and uh, there's been so much that's happened over the last five years with this science, you know, there's, there's actual meta analysis studies out there where they have, have proven that, um, you know, repeat sprint, um, efforts at hypoxia will, will increase your VO2 max by this much and your aerobic endurance by this much. And, you know, they, they, I have all access to all those and I've read all those studies. And so, um, the, um, the, the, it's, that protocol still works. Absolutely. And if you have the ability to do that, then you, you will get gains from it. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of athletes that still, you know, use the tent. Um, I have a client who used to have one and he slept in it in college. He was a swimmer or, or a diver. And, uh, you know, um, but you have to, to, in order to do that, you have to maximize as much time as you can there, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So obviously you would sleep in it and then you would train, um, at sea level. So that, that protocol definitely still works. Uh, but 
unless you have the ability to, to buy the tent or to, to live somewhere where you can do that, you just don't have the ability to do that. So, um, you know, Hypoxico has designed these, these systems to, to, and they've done these studies and um, shown evidence that you can do it the opposite way and still get the benefit. But it's, it's from that training at high intensity for a short period of time hmm. versus sleeping for eight hours in a tent. It's just the opposite basically. So, okay. but it works. And, you know, I've seen it. I mean, <laughs> I have asked, and I've had athletes that I've worked with, you know, who have, have, have made some tremendous, uh, you know, improvements, you know, and, and, um, really big success stories. And, and the other thing that's great about it too, is that, um, you know, I have a lot of athletes who are, who are professionals and they and they just don't have a lot of time. Mm-hmm. and I can utilize this altitude training with them, and um, I don't have to have them training 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I can use the altitude and cut that, you know, cut cut their weeks down to like eight to nine hours a week, and they can still go out and do Ironmans. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a guy this last year who, who had a 45-minute PR on his Ironman, and his biggest volume a week that he did leading into the race was 13 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, so... <laughs> He did two times a week in the altitude center and, and then he did his long, long bikes and runs outside and he swam a few days a week and, you know, he knocked it out of the park. He stayed healthy, mm-hmm. you know, injury free and, uh, he had a great day. So, um, yeah, I've seen it, I've seen it work. So, um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, live high, train low, um, still a valid protocol to use, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and Hypoxico sells the tents and, and you can actually buy them from them too. If you want to use that type of thing, you can actually do it. So I got you. Um, so, so I, th- I yeah. guess, I guess what I'm hearing you say is that, that it's not that live high train low is wrong. It's just that the opposite isn't wrong either. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like they're Correct. Both, they, they, they both can be right. <laughs> do you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Um, and and yeah. I think, I think that's because, an important point. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, I, I have a lot of people, uh, you know, I have a lot of people say that to me, you know, they, they know the only, the only thing that works is, is live high train low. And I was like, well, I've got, I've got actual research to show you it doesn't, you know, I mean, there's other ways to do it, but you know, I mean, if you want to, if you want to argue against the meta analysis study, then that's, that's, that's fine. But, uh, it's, it, it they've actually shown it to, to and proven it to, to actually work. So, um, and I've seen it with my own eyes too. So, gotcha. um, very good. It works. Very good. All right. So tell me. So tell me this then. And th- this is probably a more general question about altitude, but but it, it obviously mm-hmm. applies very directly to what we've talked about here. So take like that thirty-six minute workout that you talked about just a minute ago. You know, three sets of five by ten seconds hard with twenty seconds rest. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and let's say that I come and I do that at at um, at uh, elemental altitude. Um, and, and mm-hmm. I, I did notice when I was there, um, you know, we, 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 um, kind of go in and, and at first, you know, you sort of guess at how, what percentage of your FTP you're going to be able to do versus, you know, what you would be able to do at, at, at sea level. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you said it at about 10,000 feet for, for the day that I was there. I'm sure you did since that's like uh, the one that you said you always said it to. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I did notice that like at, at, certain powers like certain powers were harder than they would be otherwise and they would have been at my house right um at, yeah. at, a, at, at a thousand feet at my house um but <clears throat> what is it about doing a workout a hard workout at elemental altitude that makes it better than doing a hard workout just with higher power at my house do you see what i'm saying yeah so you're 
let's so let's talk a little bit about the science about what actually physiologically happens Great. in your body. Great. So um, so hypoxia. You know your body your body's basically striving to produce the required amount of oxygen mm-hmm. that you need, but you have less oxygen to do it. You know, you know coming coming in. So so um, the first thing that happens is um, it uh, it stimulates a protein complex called uh, hypoxia-inducible factor, it's HIF-1, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, that that actually has a role in the body's response to the low oxygen. That's That happens. And then the kidneys signal to increase more EPO. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, that's, that's the second thing that happens. Which, the, from that, you it stimulates red blood cell increase and hemoglobin production. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that provides basically an increase of the number of vehicles you need to to uh, move oxygen or transport oxygen through your body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So so that's what's happening uh, when you go into a lower oxygen environment, like fourteen point three percent oxygen instead of twenty point nine. Your your capillaries also increase in size. Mm-hmm. Uh, your mitochondria production increases as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it improves the body's ability to deliver you know, oxygen to the muscles, mm-hmm. which that correlates to improved performance. Mm-hmm. Okay. As you do it, as you do it, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, uh, you know, over time, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, physiologically, that's what's going on in the body. And, um, it's once you, so one of the things we, we, we look at when we come in there is like I talked about earlier was your, uh, SPO2 numbers. Mm-hmm. So, we use a pulse oximeter, which is that little device that fits on in your finger. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, your SpO2, your sat- it's basically the saturation of oxygen in your muscles. Mm-hmm. So at sea level, an, uh, an athlete who's in good condition should be uh, above 95 mm-hmm. on that measurement. Mm-hmm. So um, when you come into 14.3% oxygen, you've been in there for a little bit, it's not, a, and you start working out, it's not uncommon to see that athlete drop down to 83, mm-hmm. 84, maybe 82. Um, but, uh, what we, what we, what we do is over, over the weeks that you're in there, we start looking at that number while you're training and we want to see that number increase. Mm-hmm. So if we see that number increasing at 10,000 feet, as you're doing these same workouts, we know that you're getting stronger. We know that you're, you're adapting to the altitude. So when you take that outside to the sea level, you've got more oxygen coming to your muscles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to performance. Right. Another factor we look at or another measurement I look at too with cyclists, especially is their FTP. Mm-hmm. So I usually drop their FTP by about 20 points or 20% mm-hmm. when they come in there, whatever their sea level is. But when I start to see them push their sea level FTP, at 10,000 feet, I know they're getting stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not struggling. They're not struggling now that now they've are, they're back up to their sea level FTP. When they started, they were 20 points less. So, so we look at that as well. So, so one of the main things that it does then is it is is, is it it deepens the I, I guess it kind of deepens how far you can go um, in, in a limited amount of time. Is that is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very good. Definitely. Definitely. And then I'll ask you one other question since we're talking about altitude and training and altitude and all that sort of thing. Talk to us about altitude masks. I see people wearing those at the gym and stuff. And, of course, they're super popular with, like, boxers and CrossFitters and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> those are <laughs> um, those are not going to uh, 
elicit the same uh, physiological changes as actual altitude will, mm-hmm. because all you're doing is you're cutting off the amount of air that you're at sea level that your body can take in. Mm-hmm. So um, that that is actually uh, more dangerous than it is uh, performance improving. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, uh, I think the only thing, honestly, that you're you may be strengthening is your diaphragm, mm-hmm. but you're not you're not getting the same physio. You know, you're you're not. Um, you're not you're not uh, doing the whole uh, the, the process of, of you know EPO production and, and red blood cell increase and and, and uh, hemoglobin you know, and things like that with with a mouthpiece. I just you know they've um, unfortunately uh, they they sold the, the, a lot of the public on those things and and they just don't work. And you can find numerous studies out there online if you want to look for them uh, that talk about these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, if you want to do real altitude training, you got to you got to you got to go up high to do it, or or go you know or use a studio like mine to actually elicit the the the, the correct responses in the body. So, right on, right on. Yeah. All right. So tell us, Chuck, how can uh, how can we find elemental altitude? How can we how can we book our space? Uh, our website's uh, elementalaltitude.com, mm-hmm. um, and then also uh, because we use Wahoo. Uh, the program that I use in the studio, you mentioned, uh, I think earlier you said trainer road. It's actually, a, a kicker studio oh, is okay. the name of the program. It looks like, it looks like trainer road actually, but thank, thank you for it, correcting uh, me Wahoo. Actually, yeah. Wahoo has their own, uh, their own uh, program and it allows me to have all, everybody doing the same, looking at the same screen Very good. and seeing their, their individual, uh, performance while they're doing the workout. But uh, if you go to kickerstudio.com, mm-hmm. uh, you can also search by studios, find a studio, and uh, you'll see ours pop up. And you can click on our, our link, and you can see uh, our calendar of, of uh, classes that we offer right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty fluid. So uh, you can also reach out to me directly uh, at in, info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, um, and you know if you if you if you want to reach out to me uh, personally and say hey I'd like to come try it out, uh, you know I can I can find time for you to come in and and, and do a, do a session, or I let you know when when it's available and things like that. So I don't mind people contacting me directly for that as well. But uh, if you just want to sign up for a class, then yeah, you, uh, probably the easiest way to do it is go to the Kicker Studio uh, website. Very cool, and um, and book and book it through there. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. Well, Chuck, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the podcast, and and thanks for uh, creating this resource for endurance athletes in the Atlanta area. We really appreciate it. Thanks, I appreciate it, George. All right, Chuck, take care. You too. That'll do it for another edition of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. Don't forget to reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast. Reach out to us on Twitter, at pleasantpodcast. We're on Instagram now, at mostpleasantexhaustion. And you can download us on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify. Don't forget to reach out to our sponsors as well. ITL Coaching and Performance can be found at itlcoaching.com at ITO Coaching on Twitter, Facebook.com slash ITO Coaching and Performance, and on Instagram, ITO Coaching. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at BluePineappleTravel.com. 
at facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel or on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And SlayerX can be found at slayerx.com, at facebook.com slash here for SlayerX. That's the number four, here for SlayerX. On Twitter, at official SlayerX. And on Instagram, here for SlayerX. Don't forget to use the pleasant 2019 discount code for 10% off anything at their website. On behalf of Michelle Frank and Patrick Ollinger, this is George Darden. We appreciate your listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.